Happy Mother's Day to all the wonderful ladies of our church. Uh, I just want to say you've done a great job. You have uh, wonderful uh, young people in the congregation, uh, not just little ones, but teenagers and uh, some adults too. So <laughs> great job. Thank you for uh, everything that you do. And um, we obviously want to continue to celebrate you, but today for just a moment we want to talk about um, the wonderful young people that are under your care, that are under your charge. This is Youth Sabbath, so I want to talk to uh, youth, uh, my teens, my high schoolers, my college students for a minute, and um, I want to just say how proud I am of you guys that helped me here on the, on the stage uh, for uh, giving of your time and of your talents. I'm very proud of the young men for the decisions that they've made, their public proclamations of faith. Um, and it, you don't get to this step just in one moment. You don't get up on a stage on the whim's notice. Everything is a process. You have to build up. You have to prepare. You have to get ready. Some young people have been getting ready to do their thing for a long time. And others just have a knack for it. I want to show you some people that caught my attention. Can we see the first slide, please? Yes, you see him? His name is uh, Zach Sunderland. He is uh, from California, and uh, he's 17 years old, and he completed a 28,000-mile solo voyage around the world in 13 months. Took his little sailboat there and uh, holds a world record. Went around the world in 13 months, solo, 28,000 miles. Youngest person to sail around the world. What do you think about that? I'm sure he didn't just get up one day and say, I'm going to sail my boat around the world. He probably had to train, probably had to get himself ready, probably had to uh, learn and how to develop his skills, learn how to use all that stuff. Let me see the next one, please. This is Angela Zhang. I don't know if you can read her $100,000 check. It's a scholarship. She's from Cupertino. And she is um, uh, on record for being the youngest person uh, to um, discover something in the treatment of cancer. She created a, uh, or discovered, or created a tiny particle that she calls a Swiss Army knife of cancer treatments that can actually target tumors very precisely. That's why she's got the $100,000 um, scholarship there. Next one, please. This is Taylor Wilson the world's youngest nuclear scientist. Um, at age 14, he built a nuclear fusion reactor. At age 17, he created a device using this reactor to detect nuclear weapons smuggled on cargo uh, on airplanes and the like. He's all of 17 years old. Uh, looks a lot like you guys. Um, Maybe he has a knack for it. Can I see the next one, please? <clears throat> this, uh, I know you can't kind of see because he's wearing a mask. This is Jordan Romero. He is the youngest person to climb Mount Everest. He is 13 years old. And he's from Big Bear, California, just in our backyard here. Next person, please. Now, uh, I kind of like this one. I don't know if you can tell, but he has an iPad in hand. He is actually at a TED conference holding his own talk right this moment down in Florida. And uh, his name is, um, uh, I want to say Justin Bieber, but it's not. <laughs> he actually created a Justin Bieber app, a whack-a-mole app on the, iP on the iPad store. 
He is 12 years old, and he is the youngest app developer. Uh, he has two best-selling apps in the App Store. One is the Whack-A-Mole Justin Bieber app that's uh, very popular. 99 cents is all it takes. And, you know, he said he started uh, learning how to code computer when he was in kindergarten. And he says, a lot of kids like to play with games. I like to develop them. He got his first developer kit from Apple and came up with this uh, 99 cent whack-a-mole Justin Bieber app. And so he is 12 years old and he's uh, on record for being the youngest. Can I see the next slide, please? Uh, I like this next one. Yes. This is Eleanor Gamble. She is the person on record for uh, being the youngest person to have a hole-in-one, a hole-in-one. Now, some of you guys don't play golf, but if you've ever been out in the golf course, it's very difficult just to hit the ball. Uh, but she, at five years old, uh, sank a hole-in-one from an 86-yard 80, hole-in-one. She's on record as the youngest golfer to do so. And then the last person I want to show you guys is my favorite. Next one, please. Um, Yeah, my personal favorite. This is Canon Tipton. He is all of four, and he's on record as being the world's youngest preacher. He's a Pentecostal preacher. He's on YouTube. You should see him. He gets riled up. He started preaching when he was 21 months old. His dad is a pastor, and uh, he just grabbed the microphone, and you should see him. It's, well, anyway, you can YouTube him. His name is uh, uh, Canon Tipton. Uh, he is from Mississippi. And uh, he's uh, world-renowned now because on the Internet you can spread like wildfire. He's, he's gone viral. He's four years old now, but he started preaching at 21 months. They say maybe he has a knack for it, or maybe he just happened to be around his dad, or maybe he just got the opportunity. Uh, you can, or else we'll just be staring at him the whole time. Thank you. Um, but what I want you to see, what I want you to know, is that there's young people out there of all ages giving of themselves to train, to prepare, and to follow their dreams and to live out their specific gift, their specific purpose. In our bulletins today, there was a little flyer. One side has an invitation. On the back side is uh, um, a, a little form there. For those of you that are considering helping us out in the church community, there's so many things that our church community could be doing that we are not yet doing because we need you. We need your help. We need your vision. We need your ideas. And we especially need you guys. And I want to talk to you guys for a moment. My young people. Oh, there's one. There's a few more. Here we go. All right. I'm going to talk to you guys about um, where we need you and what God wants from you at this stage in your life. If you've brought a Bible, please open it to the book of 1 Timothy. We are in the New Testament today. If you didn't bring one, there's one in the pew right in front of you. And even if you're not youth, or don't consider yourself youth. This is useful information. Please follow along with us. We are in 1 Timothy chapter 4. This will be a familiar text, and we will begin with verse 7. Verse 7 of the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4. The book of Timothy uh, is a collection, 1 and 2 Timothy is a collection of two letters that the Apostle Paul writes to his young apprentice. Okay, so Paul was this evangelist, he wasn't that young, but when he was out evangelizing and starting churches, he took along with him young men that could learn from him, watch him do it. And as he went along, sometimes he found a place where he created a church where he said, I need somebody to stay here and help the church grow. And in this case, he left Timothy in charge of one of those churches. 
Now Paul has gone back uh, or continued to travel. And from time to time, he writes to encourage Timothy, who is out there on his own working at a church. And this is the letter that we sort of are going to dive into. And it's in chapter 4, verse 7. Paul is giving Timothy some specific instructions. Just read along with me as we dissect this a little bit, all right? And it says this. Paul says to Timothy, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard that expression, old wives' tales. And if you're young, probably you're not paying attention to, to too many of those. But Timothy found himself in a position where he was surrounded with older people. He was the pastor of a church, and probably a lot of the people that were uh, f- under his leadership were older than he was, the deacons, the elders, the other church leaders. And he found himself surrounded with people that had ideas and, and beliefs that had been around for quite a while and things that challenged what Paul had taught him. So Timothy's kind of in the middle of the storm. He's the pastor of the church, and he, he, he's kind of the focal point. And there's a lot of people saying this and a lot of people saying that. And Paul writes him to say, don't get caught up in all the hype and all the talk and all the hearsay. Instead, he says, train yourself to be godly. He goes on, physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Some of the people that you, some of the young people that you uh, you watch on here, had to physically train and prepare to do what they do. The little five-year-old golfer, maybe she has a natural swing, but you can't just do it the first time out. If you ever try to hit a golf ball, it's quite frustrating. Uh, it's there, and then it's still there, and you don't know why. Uh, it's very difficult. You have to train your muscles. Uh, golf is a very precise game. You have to create m- uh, muscle memory to be able to replicate uh, this kind of activity. To, to do some of the other things, like the sailing around the world and lots of other feats, you have to, to, to climb Mount Everest. You don't just get up one morning. You have to train yourself. You know this because some of you are in uh, physical training uh, re- regimes at school, maybe for sports uh, or maybe for uh, some other activity. But Paul says that stuff is all good. But above all, you need to train yourself to be godly. Have you ever considered that? I mean, let me talk to you uh, teenagers and young people. Have you ever considered that you have a choice as to what kind of person you're going to become? Oftentimes when I meet adults, grown men and women, and when they're going through problems and difficulties and I say, why are you doing that? Or how did you get into this mess? Let me tell you one of their most common excuses I hear. They say, I don't know. Must have been how I was raised. I was just raised this way. You see people that have bad attitudes and are complainers or people that have quick tempers and you say, where did you learn that? It's just the way I was raised. And you know what? That's a cop-out. That's an excuse. The Bible says that you have a choice to train yourself what kind of person you're going to become. Yes, you got your hair from your dad or your mom. And your good looks probably from your mom, because I've seen some of y'all's dads. And uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, dads. You're beautiful. Inside, inside. <laughs> There's some things you cannot control. You cannot change the shape of your nose because you got that from your parents. But the Bible says that you can change and you can direct who you become. Your character can be shaped 
Now, it is your parents' responsibility when you are very young to train you, to teach you, to bring you to church, to instruct you, to tell you the stories, to help discipline you. But as you get older, especially in the age that you guys are sitting there right now in high school, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I don't want to listen to mom anymore. I want to make my own decisions. And, 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 and sure, they're going to let you do some. But when you start getting that freedom and that ability, I want you to listen to this counsel. Train yourself to be godly. You can choose what kind of young man or young woman you're going to become. You can decide whose company you're going to keep, what kind of stuff you're going to read, watch, what's going to develop your character. Paul goes on. Now, Timothy wasn't as young as you are. He was a little bit older. But nevertheless, the counsel is still the same. Paul says, train yourself. Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. It goes on, verse 9. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. He says, we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all, of all men, and especially those who believe. And he says, command and teach these things. Now, Timothy is kind of a, a different place than where you guys are. He was a pastor. He was in charge of people. He had to tell and teach and instruct. And Paul is saying to Timothy, remember, remember that these are the important things. And then he, is, he, he uses this phrase, which may sound familiar to you teenagers. It says this. Don't let anyone look down on you. Or in uh, King James, it says, don't let anyone despise you because you are young. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, in purity. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. This is a, kind of an interesting passage because, like I said, uh, Timothy wasn't very young. He was probably over 30 maybe even closer to 40. He wasn't a little kid. But he was still being patted on the head by the elders of the church and saying, what do you know? You don't know much. But Paul writes and he says, Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you just because you are young. Now, it's fascinating. I've been in youth ministry all my life. I've heard this text. And a lot of times when I, when I was younger, I would read it and I'd say, that's right. Don't be looking at me like that. I wanted this to be a rallying cry to tell all the adults in the church to get off my back. Just because I'm young doesn't mean you can tell me what to do. I wanted this to be a verse that would say to me, great, this is my battle cry to tell all the deacons who used to poke me in the back. Well, that doesn't happen here. But in my home church, they poke me in the back, pull me by the ear, of course, because I was just minding my own business, as you know, but... I wanted to say to them, look, stop picking on me just because I'm young. Just because I'm a teenager doesn't mean that you can scoff at me and say that I'm lazy, that I'm good for nothing, that I'll never amount to anything. Just because I'm young doesn't give you the right to put me down. And while some of that may be true, that's not what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying, just because you're young... Don't waste this opportunity on feeling entitled. Listen to me, young people. Just because you're young doesn't mean that you get a pass on character building. Sometimes your parents have looked the other way when you needed to be told the truth. I know this is a fact because this is the kind of society that you live in. We live in. You, like I, have seen American Idol... 
and you've seen some 17-year-old get up there and sing their heart out, and, 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 and everyone is wondering who told them they were good. <laughs> but when the judges on stage say, so how do you think you did? They said, I killed it. I was awesome. That's because people in their life who were supposed to tell them the truth just look the other way. And Paul is saying, just because you are young does not mean that you get a pass. Just because you are young does not mean you get to use that as an excuse not to guard your character and to train yourself. I would not have preached this sermon if I were younger, I'll be honest with you. I would have liked to stay with that. Get off my back theme. But the more I look at it, the more I begin to understand that what Paul is trying to say here is he's trying to say to you and to you and to you that we, you, have an opportunity right now that, that, that will not be around for long. See, the kind of impact that you can have at your age is very different from the kind of impact you'll have 10 years from now or 20 years from now. Imagine what it would look like if I put a picture of a you know, 50-year-old preacher there and I said, this is the world's oldest preacher. Not as much fun as that four-year-old. Not as impressive. Or a golfer who hit a hole in one. There are a dime a dozen, but a five-year-old, very different. Or a 17-year-old who created a nuclear reactor. Obviously, there are grown men and women who are doing this for a living, but this young man has the power, the influence of his youth to create impact. And that lies with you as well. And Paul says, you are young and you have this unique gift of youth. And what you do can have more impact for God than oftentimes what your parents can do at this time. Or what the older members of the church can do at this time. Because when the rest of the world around us looks and sees a young person, a freshman, a sophomore in high school, standing up for God, the world takes notice. Because nowhere in, 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 in the community are young people taking these kinds of positions. The world expects young people, high school and college students, to be all about themselves. To be all about, you know, partying, getting down, and doing their own thing. And Paul says, you could do that, but you'll be just like everybody else, and you will waste this greatest asset, your youth. Paul says, don't let anyone look down on you while you are young. Don't waste your youth becoming just another number, another statistic, another person who had potential but squandered it all away. Don't be just like everybody else in your high school. Instead, Paul says, be an example, especially for us, in speech. Do you know that what comes out of your mouth tells us a lot about what's in your heart? You know that the way you talk to others reveals a lot about what's really going on inside. I mean, you can tell, right? Last, last time you went to the checkout stand, you paid for your gum, and the lady said, have a nice day. The words don't mean anything. It's the speech. It's the way. It's how you do it. Your mom knows how respectful you're being when she asks you to do something. And in your response, she can tell if you're grateful, ungrateful. Just your tone. Just your tone. And the way you address people here, the way you wish people happy Sabbath, 
Paul says you have this tremendous power to affect the world positively just with your speech. So set an example in speech, in life, and in love. In love. In love. Not just family love, but romantic love. That's right. I know some of you guys have crushes and your parents don't know, but you're seeing somebody. I know. I won't tell. But it's pretty obvious. I mean, don't get me wrong. I thought I was slick too when I was your age. But And you have a choice. When you're entering into a relationship, you get to pick who and you get to pick how. You get to pick how. Trust me, I'm going to be honest with you. I've sat in the room with people from my church, teenagers from my church, who say to me, I don't know what happened. And I said, yes, you do. I, I, I don't know what happened, Pastor. Yes, you do. You made a choice. You knew nothing good was going to happen after midnight in a car all by yourselves. You knew that. You can make a choice, and the kind of ripple effect that your life leaves behind says a lot about who you are. I know because they come into my office and they say, it was just this one time, Pastor. And I'm like, yeah, right. You ain't going to fool me with that. Just this one time. What choices you make day in and day out and the way you carry yourself in your relationships is what's going to leave your impact. Paul says, don't squander it. Don't squander it. Instead, set an example. Be the kind of person that even adults say, I... I want to do it like they're doing it. Paul says, be an example in life, in living, in faith, in faith. You know what, young people? When the rest of the church sees you up here speaking up for God, singing up for God, something moves inside of them. It's very different. It's powerful. It makes us consider and look inside of ourselves and take stock and say, what am I doing? When these young people are giving up their time and courageously stepping up, what am I doing? That's power. It lies within you, and this church needs it. And Paul says, don't squander it. Instead, set an example in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. And what you put in, inside your brain and inside your heart, be an example. I know you're thinking, some of you guys are thinking, no one's looking at me. Everyone is looking at you. We're not trying to judge you. You're just fun to look at. It's true. You're so cute and so small. <laughs> Your cheeks are still squishy. We marvel, especially the older that we get, at the energy that is youth. Trust me, every day we look in the mirror and we go. <sighs> and then we look at you all rosy cheeked and full of hair. And you just, we just go, wow, if only... If only we could go back in time and get another chance to be like where you are. If only we could get another chance. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of us that you see here, parents, we want to go back in time and get another chance to do it right because we didn't do it right the first time. A lot of times when we come down on you and we say, get away from that, don't do that, it's not because we're trying to stop you from having fun. It's just because we know the kind of mistakes that lead you. We did it. We just don't want you to squander your youth the same way. And Paul says, it's up to you. You know, your mom can only nag you so much. And your pastor can only preach at you so much. 
The real choices are yours. Not when you're sitting here, but when you leave. When you go out, when you're hanging out at school, when, when you're making choices when no one else is looking, Paul says, there, in that place, just because you are young, understand that you have tremendous power to be an example. He says, devote yourself to the reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. And let's be honest, young people, you guys don't like to read the Bible, but you're missing out. You can capture so many powerful things at your age that when you're older, you will be prejudiced against. I don't know how to explain that to you except just to tell you that now is the time to get into the Word of God. God can get through your heart now, but when you're older, full of cynicism, full of anger, full of bitterness, sometimes the Word of God can't pass. Open your heart now. Paul says, devote yourself to the reading of Scripture. In verse 14, do not neglect your gift. Do not neglect your gift. Each one of you, every single one of you, all you young people that are in the congregation, and you, the rest of you as well, but I'm going to talk to you especially. Have a gift. God gave it to you specifically for this church and for this time. Your gift might change over the course of time. It's not an ability. It's not like a skill. It's something unique that God placed in your heart. And he meant for you to bring that power to the church. I'm excited about what you guys are doing here and what we're doing over there. But, but God wants you to understand your unique gift and your unique calling. And your church, your community, your family needs it. It might be your special ability to just be there and listen when everyone else wants to talk. It might be your unique ability to encourage somebody who is going through difficult times. It might be your special ability to forgive when everyone else wants to hold grudges. It might be your special ability to tell the truth when everyone else is just willing to lie. But you have a gift. You have one. God has given it to you, and your church needs it. And it's time for you to step up. You're not children anymore. You're young men and young women. It's time to step up and claim this, this, this platform that is rightfully yours to be at the forefront of the movement of God in this community and in this church. It's time to step up. Quit hiding in the shadows of indecision and excuse. It's time to take control of the choices that you're making and over the influences that you're allowing to shape your life. And it's time to choose and step up and be an example because the little ones are looking up to you. They're watching how you dress. They're listening to how you talk. In the same way that you're looking up, they're looking at you. So step up. Be a young man, a young woman of God. And don't neglect your gift. Your church needs it.